Hello, everybody. Today is Monday, October the 16th, and you're listening to the Daily AI Show live on all channels that matter. We got your faithful uh, co-host, Jimmy, Beth, Robert, Andy, Carl, and Aaron, and we're going to dive into today's topic, which is bad AI, naughty AI. You're so bad at AI. So, uh, how to spot them and how to avoid them? Well, let's start with the the basic obvious premise: is what is bad AI? That's that's like, is it like the eye of the beholder kind of thing? Are we like uh, bad AI is from one perspective is not the same from another is is that how we're going to do it we're going to define it in real terms who wants to take a crack at that so just right. a quick clarification it's bad ai use cases so that may be eye of beholder yeah i'll give Go you ahead. five five bad ai use cases one deep fake two mm. autonomous weapon systems <laughs> three bias and, dis- and discrimination built into AI deliberately. Uh, AI enhanced cyber attacks. And uh, finally, surveillance and privacy violations. That's all thank- thanks to uh, ChatGPT4. Thank you. Right. Oh, so it's, it's telling you what you shouldn't be using it for. Oh, how That's funny. Right. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if I trust the source. More important than that. <laughs> but uh, quite frankly, though, a lot of those could be I the beholder. You know, if if we're in the middle of a war and we're trying to fight off, I don't know, the robots, uh, maybe using autonomous drones might be the way to go. I yeah. don't know. So, so sticking if with we're in a war theme, against the robots, I, I, I'm not sure you trust the drones. Like, why are you trusting the drones, Robert? <laughs> because they're programmed. Jeff, because we program them properly. Things. The 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 fully sentient robots were fighting against them, but we have robots that have not been made sentient. Have you not watched Battlestar Galactica? Yes, I love that series. <laughs> awesome, that was okay. a good game too. Back to yeah. business which, use which cases one? and which yeah. ones are bad. <laughs> okay, so Andy, you were trying to make a point. What was your? I was going to just uh, you know expand upon autonomous weapons. Because it's not just individual AI-driven autonomous weapons that could get out of hand and make you know bad decisions about who to kill, uh, but there are you know much larger scale AIs that have already been developed. Palantir, for example, offers mm-hmm. you know militaries, uh, you know the overall AI-driven military campaign. Uh, and I, I assume that's what they're offering. But, you know, that's just an, an expansion of the idea of cyber warfare, which is a really bad, you know, thing once in the hands of a AI enabled uh, systems. So it's not as simple as just a drone that might go off. It's it's coordination of a whole bunch of different simultaneous attacks, uh, you know, by a very, very high speed AI. Well, the thing is, you said that, you know, I agree that those are all scary use cases. Uh, I'm I'm worried that there's many bad players already trying to make that happen, like especially in the cyber attack world. Uh, that that really scares me that that, you know, let's say they want to take out our power grid or our water systems or things that are all, 
you know, run by computers, that could be very scary. Um, but let's not get into that. But I guess uh, who else has got an opinion about use cases? What kind of use cases that that were not mentioned that you think are not worth talking about? I, I'm thinking so a lot has been we've come a long way in terms of image generation. So one use case, which to me kicks off a whole set of dilemmas and ethical considerations is there was a man in Quebec that was charged um, for creating child pornography using image generation tools. So the question is, is he hurting? Who is he hurting? Oh, he's hurting a lot of people because generating the content is uh, just as bad as viewing the content. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that statement at all. But from a legal sense, any defense lawyer I could would argue, well, this person did not really hurt X people. And you could be twisted enough and say, well, in reality, he's actually could be saving people because instead of acting on said urges, he just creates said urges. But he's that also perpetuating be. said urges. He's also feeding yeah. said urges. He's also fueling. Well, said I, urges. So, so that all of that, it, that's why it's, it's illegal to be in possession of uh, things and, like that. Yeah. I don't think the rules though. I, now, obviously got arrested and, and so on, but I think like, that is one case where I think the rules of society are rules of the land have not caught up yet. Cause there's, I, that's just one use case. I'm sure there's right. a lot of different use cases where the law is like, well, there's no law for that. So how are we, right. we can't apply the current law to, to, to that, to certain situations. So it's, and, and maybe let's take child pornography off and maybe, what about creating something that led to destruction or death? So does that mean, because I think in our laws, like whoever created whoever, you know, it's like the cause been a while since like, I think my legal classes, but like what, so who is responsible if you prompted is, was it you who prompted led to, you know, a negative outcome. Does that? Yeah. Mean so that the way you're 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 tiptoeing around is is the same type of. Whenever we decide how copyright is going to be done, is exactly the same methodology that courts will use to answer your question. You're, you're kind of posing because yeah. if you can if you can be if you can own a copyright because you were the one that generated the prompt that created the model created the output that the model generated. If we can get to that point, then then yeah, I think you can be liable for other things you did that were uh, criminal in nature or seen as criminal or hurtful, it, you know, the, so I don't know. We're not there yet. As you know, there's not laws to address that, but I think that's where I would want to go with this. This is where England has actually kind of already gone is if you were the one that created the prompt, then they're, they're wanting to go that you have the ability to claim that copyright of that output. Um, I don't think it's actually formally been said yet, but that's the direction they were going months ago. Yeah. So, so I, I want to sort of move on a little bit from what Carl said, but same kind of thing and, and talk more about um, deep fake like video. I mean, 
the, the, the guy who does that for a living nowadays. <laughs> but I can see where that will be uh, potentially a really bad thing for all people. So you could, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. You could have people, if, I mean, as an Australian looking at America, the political system there seems pretty horrifying to me. Um, but it could get 10 or 100 times worse once the average um, person gets their hands on the ability to um, deep fake their politicians or even just normal people. You could have all sorts of horrible stuff happening. Well, Whether it, it, it's um, yeah, an employee who sends a, a deep fake um, porn video to someone's boss or to someone's parents or uh, a, a politician who has something put out that he or she never said or did or any of that kind of stuff. I think that's pretty bad and I don't know how we're going to deal with that when it happens because there will be people, if it hasn't already happened, who are trying to make stuff that you can't identify. You know, it's one that, thing for something out and put some kind of um, you know, some kind of ID thing in it that you can say, okay, well, that video came from HGM, but there'll be somebody out there who's already got something that you won't know that it's not real. So, so I think the two pieces that um, that sort of join uh, in the middle of what we've talked about are um, it's a problem yeah. when AI, uh, when you have something that is autonomous, unsupervised, that has um significant consequences right so like autonomous weapon systems that don't have a human in the loop there is human error but but right now we're thinking that uh a human in the loop who can say mm, this nope this is a problem uh something is malfunctioning here that's an important piece the other piece is the human on the other side so are we susceptible to deep fakes and the answer is yes. So I think the 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 use case here um, is educating your business, educating the people that you do business with, educating your employees, educating your family, your community about what's possible. And um, it isn't so much about how to detect a fake. Right. Like that's the wrong thing. We're still looking for the software to give us the answer so we don't have to think. Yeah. What we really want to do is think critically about what I'm seeing. Right. So what mm -hmm. is that? What is the angle that this is being shot from? Who benefits if this is true? Where can I find corroborating evidence? But right? the problem yeah. I think is it's not it's less than that because those are all true statements. But the problem is once it's in the ether, once you've seen it, like that picture I just threw up there of, of Hitler shaking hands with Trump, obviously could not happen, right? But for some reason, now it's in my brain. And or all the all this stuff you know it's fake of 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 these protests, all these things that they were generating with Trump with you know protesters and fights and stuff that was you know many months ago. Once you've seen it, now it's kind of like it's it's um it's it's sub subconsciously. So even though you know it's not real subconsciously you could start generating uh, uh, negative publicity from dots of deep fakes. So that's my, my thinking on it is we already know what's fake, but eventually it'll get harder and harder to detect. Maybe it's not politicians. Maybe it's your coworker, you know, maybe yeah, it's, maybe it's audio. You know, as you know it will become more of an issue is when you start having coworkers or family members doing stuff to other people, you know, mm -hmm. politicians is one thing, but you know, if your brother or your sister gets really aggro with you about something and creates something and posts it, I mean, 
you know, some of those things are going to be really difficult to avoid the impact of it, even though it never happened. And you can't pull it back. Once people yeah. think it's real and they go, oh, no, they, then they say it was fake, but it's, it's damage is done. You've already, you can't pull it back because then one yeah. person didn't hear the news article that found out that it was actually fake. And then you're, then that person unless, still thinks it's real. Unless it's reverse where everything, we all assume everything's fake now. Like, so it, there, there could be just, just on the over. other side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, audio no, is already great. like, I know that courts have a hard time accepting audio as, uh, yeah. as, as evidence because it's e so right now. I wouldn't trust a bit of audio. You could just type it in and, hey, Jane, can ever yeah. just, uh, you know, even 11 labs. Everybody could so do it. So, note to all people watching and hearing us. We are actually speaking. <laughs> this is this is really us talking about how you should never believe anything that you see or hear ever again. Like that's why we're live. Yeah, <laughs> I can use my hand. Are we, are we really live? Are we really well, live? Well, to, to speak to speak on on that subject a little bit, um, Beth, and you're you're right. I, I agree with you. We we do need to uh, you know develop our critical thinking on that. And Carl, <laughs> I think that's probably the direction we're, we're, we're going to be going to is that's going to be our default setting. Uh, just like how I can spot a spam email like that in my, uh, you know, my mm -hmm. email thread. But uh, there are there are steps being taken, right? Adobe just announced there uh, where people are starting to talk about um, the the coalition that they put together or, or they're part of to basically watermark uh, you know, images generated so you can follow the history to uh, to help identify what that uh, that authenticity is for for the mm -hmm. images. And there and you know and, and there's other groups like the Universal Google thing where their intention or they say their intention is to help uh, you know collate monitor those uh, those uh, fake uh, fake songs as well or fake music uh, or AI creating music. I should say that that's probably more accurate. Um, but we're, yeah, we're definitely going in a direction where the software and, you know, the solutions, uh, are getting, uh, getting to that point that'll help inform us. Is it something that we should rely on as like a crutch? No, we should definitely rely on our own critical thinking, but yeah, it's, that, good, it's good to know that, that we exist and that that's a, a direction going to, to because it's just another tool to yeah, help. But us the, the, the puck is constantly being pushed, though. I mean, so you're yeah. so the the detector is only as good as, and this can only get always going to be you know trying to catch up to AI. Well, it, it's true. Do, it's uh, true, and it's a constant struggle. This is not a hey, we're going to find this is the ultimate solution right. and it'll fix it all. No, anything with technology, mm -hmm. it's always trying to one up the next thing. Yeah. Right, that, that's how you that convince politicians of that too because they, they seem to think that they can easily create a law or a policy or yeah. you know, whatever to, yeah. to basically because that's, that's what's that's well, the bigger problem. These, yeah, right, you have to right. work and, interviewing Martin Zuckerberg yeah. saying, How do you use Facebook make money? We sell ads, Senator. That's still classic five or ten years later. So, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and my concern with the critical thinking thing is we went through COVID and a percentage of the world lost their mind. Their critical thinking went out the ether and disappeared off to Uranus. So I don't really have a lot of hope that we're going to improve that um, facility in the world, if you know what I mean, unless something... Right. I, I, I'm going to resound with that. When I, Whenever the word critical thinking comes up, I go, 
how do you get a mass population to be possessed of critical thinking? It, it, yeah. it, in the world of disinformation and deep fakes, it's virtually impossible. And we've, yeah, and, we've and been a witness to that to a large degree in the, in the evolution of our political discourse. Yeah, well, people are smart. I think it really comes down to that might be a that might require a generational change. Yeah, and you're right. I need to point out right now that I think Carl and Junmi are our youngest people on this panel. There are we've talked about children growing up in a world where AI has always existed. So their expectation that something on video is true or something that they hear is true will not be the same as ours, right? And uh, fortunately, unfortunately, the people represented on this panel are the people who are um, have the most power in the world. So if our critical thinking is impaired, and holy crap, it is, um, then, then we we have an outsized power to affect something because of where we're not questioning or we're not quite prepared to to like make all of the connections of what's possible now. And how do I know that that's true, even though it's somebody that I trust, right? Um, uh, but that's that's a us thing. That's like we need to be talking to our people about what's possible now and and what like how do you how do you answer questions when you don't know right away and when you think you I know think, uh, I, I think the it's so disappointing you see either high um secondary uh higher education not having concrete plans for ai either mm -hmm. sticking their head in the sand or banning it or you know just you know, individuals trying to teach, but then some, because that's what I mean, like the critical thinking aspect of everything because of AI is so important, yet it's not happening in the one where the crucial places to teach critical thinking are. And so- I, I, I think as far as the education side of things go, Carl, I think that will change in time. We're so new for most of this that I just don't think a lot of people have even come to grips with what the hell it is. So, you know, I, I, you know we've talked in, on a previous show about the education industry and, you know, using AI to train students and that kind of stuff. I, I, I think we will make progress in that space. It just may take a bit longer. You've got to remember, we're all, quote-unquote, advanced users of this stuff. So our viewpoint, I think, is more advanced than the average member of the public who just maybe doesn't deal with this kind of thing on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. I want to uh, shift the conversation to a sort of a grifter level of application of bad AI, uh, which is identity theft. And use cases. Yeah. <laughs> so identity, identity theft has, has been in the press before, you know, uh, you know, new telephone scams to elderly where, you know, they just figure out, okay, here's, here's a video online that I can take of the son of this person. And then I clone the voice and I, in real time, they're speaking to the person. So it feels like a live conversation, but voice manipulation is changing them to be their, their you know, yes. perceptibly someone that they trust. That's and that's going to be used in in sort of petty theft and or grand theft uh, on, on a wide scale by the criminal element. Right, and and I I think these are good examples of 
illegal use cases. I'd like to shift it. And if I could, and if you all want to piggyback on Andy, then go ahead. But I'd like to shift to just improper business use cases. Like why, what things you shouldn't do with it. Like for example, math, like I'm not going to ask it for two plus two because it's not likely going to be right if I use GPT. So what other bad AI use cases do you see in business that you just shouldn't be using it for? Like, I mean, we use it for ideation. It's a brilliant at that. Um, it, we, we try to we try to use it for emotional intelligence and a companionship, which is character AI and pi.ai. So those are those are things that people are using for. But what, those are kind of the lion's share. But what what shouldn't we be using it for that are bad AI use case, cases? Uh, productivity and activity monitoring in the workspace. Say that one more time. Mm. Productivity and what? Uh, activity monitoring and productivity evaluation in the in the workplace. Uh. Well, I'll, wow. Okay, so we have a big tool right now at WSI that we're using that does exactly that. We yeah. analyze salespeople and we determine based on our framework of of what we've determined and their call logs, transcripts, if they're hitting all the buttons. So, how why do you think that's a bad use case? Uh, I think it just it changes the uh, motivational structure of of a workspace and makes it, mm -hmm. it kind of an oppressive environment. That's a, that's a personal opinion. I, I, I kind of come from the standpoint of somebody who is highly motivated himself. So I don't feel like I need to be surveilled and, and you know have metric application of AI to my performance. Mm. But I, I can see where it would be applicable and you're probably using it at WSI in a way that, that assists management and also the employees in understanding how they compare to others. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's easy to see it from one side of the fence, but then what you just did to me is like, hell no, you better not be doing that to me because I know right. what I'm doing. I'm motivated. Do not be right. logging my calls and tell me how I'm not doing things because you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, if you flip it, I'm a big <laughs> opponent of it. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm working about, you know, newer employees, trying to onboard them and train them, and, and that's kind of where we're using it is like, yeah, not, the, not the seasoned sales professionals. <laughs> Right. Well, oh, and you, that you also to be... have to take into effect that having somebody watching over your shoulder, surveilling you is a stress, right? That's right. just added stress, which causes you to lose your focus. So I don't think uh, in those situations, we don't, I, I, I agree with Anne, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to add that, that added stress and make people like incredibly uncomfortable just trying to to do their jobs yeah but they, this call might be recorded for quality assurance purposes you hear that all the time so every customer service person is recorded at call centers so they already have that as, as an expectation so i i suspect yeah. as well, the expectation I, I i don't necessarily agree that they should be doing that as well or maybe you know maybe a random sampling kind of thing to help that out but well, what, uh, let me I, ask I you all those this. kinds what, of things are added stressors to, to yeah. daily life for people. How stressful would it be if you you know learned well after the fact that all of your emails were being scored and that you have a you have a grade as far as your business communications in, inside the company and that affects your you know uh, progress in career. I'd fail a hundred percent because I'd be like, <laughs> I put a lot of WTFs. Like, I, I sent a lot of WTFs, a lot of like, you got me cheating me emails. Like I got a lot of like passive aggressive emails. Like we're talking like, oh, like if I ever got in, you're it sounds like you, you can benefit from an AI checking out and maybe helping you get better at your correspondence. <laughs> hey, but this is actually a great example. If you're going to have AI evaluate, 
um, productivity and uh, value in the workplace, make sure that it's actually effective, right? I mean, the reason Carl still has a job after those emails is because emails. <laughs> he's super productive, right? I mean, they have him doing everything that involves AI, as far as I can tell. Um, so, uh, so I'm so going to throw like, something. Sorry, so but I you just want to say that, that like, in trusting AI, right? Like AI said it and therefore, so we're just looking, we're just looking for you to keep tap on things and say what, you know, give people hints on what's more productive. That's not necessary. Like you have to measure that shit. Did it work? Was there, mm -hmm. was there a cost of the stress of people knowing that they're being listened to? Did it take 10 times longer to write an email because they're all being scored now? Right? <laughs> like, or do they all just say, Hey, I hope this finds you well. Right? Because now everyone's just going to go, Nope, I'm just going to go with what AI wrote. Wow. So I, I've got a, a slight <laughs> good point. Good I can actually see a point where the monitoring thing, I would perceive it as a good a good thing. And and I'll give you an example. In, in, back in the dim, dark, distant past, I used to work in sales before I got into IT and marketing. And I always had this, I don't know, this thought at the back of my head, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? If I had an AI tool that could monitor what I was saying on the phone to a prospective client and, you know, looking at the notes that were going into my CRM and giving me feedback like a coach, um, yes. rather than monitoring me and saying, you've been a naughty boy, but saying, okay, you did this really well, you could do better by trying these things. I think that would be a really powerful tool using that kind of thing. So, and I don't know how available that kind of stuff is, but I'm sure it will be available. It, it's all about how you apply it and how you yeah. teach people. How to, it means yeah. there's a lot of uh, bad agents that if you, you could use this tool to be a completely jerk boss, or you could use it to be a very helpful, you know, and of course, as an employee, if you're insecure, no matter what, how it's presented, you're going to take offense and be like, you know, yeah. cry yourself to sleep at night like Carl does. So I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Very, very well. <laughs> so let's let's continue the the thought process. Is there any other? I mean, Andy, you almost you almost flipped me. You almost flipped me with this whole almost, conversation. Yeah. Almost, but you're still wrong. Um, so uh, bad AI use cases for business. Is there other things that we shouldn't be using it for that people are just you know leaping at it and saying this is what I, I should do? I think I think for me the the obvious one is. Um, the, the issues we still have with hallucination. And I'm not saying don't use AI. I'm just saying that we need to be cautious about how we use it so that we don't start putting, you know, hallucinations into um, critical areas that are important. It's one thing to write a blog post in ChatGPT and, you know, have a few facts that are not correct, but it's another thing if you're making a critical business decision about it. So I think yeah. that's a, you need more. Well, that, that goes back to AI. The AI exchanges mantra, you know, human in the loop. And if that's oh. if it's done, then you can do that. So, Carl, what were you going to say? Recruitment. How so? Mm. It, yeah. And the reason yeah. why is so. Um, my wife Andrea was interviewing because she, she has her podcast on HR, and she was interviewing a um, an AI like a, a, a someone who's been working in ML and AI for best like close to a decade. And they were talking about what impacted that with HR. And her her guest's point is specifically around recruitment. 
when you start programming the like how you recruit it's you have to understand though you're you're looking at it as if applicants are still doing the exact same thing however applicants are using ai to create their um applications so essentially it's going to become ai with ai so mm -hmm. there is no right now there's no way to like how do you balance that when an ai is trying to game another ai when an ai it's not really detecting but it's like there's two competing forces and it's not it's it's a it may not be as subjective to how the essentially the role what you're looking for the role it might present you when we're talking bad it might present you just uh efficiently you won't get the kind of quality candidates that you think you're gonna get with ai because it's ai with ai so you're like it could just waste more of your time because you might right. just end up oh i have to go through these myself because the people that we're getting aren't necessary and you won't know until you actually do the interview right mm -hmm. so if you're going to trust ai and you're like okay well these are the top three candidates great i'm going to interview them because we got ai and but you might have missed a whole bunch just because the ai filtered it in a way because the other side they optimized it um, yep right um, it's yeah so it's it could employees like, optimize yeah. the potential candidates optimize their resumes and anything else so yep yeah so it, it's totally it throws the whole system the whole the whole process completely off and when we're talking bad, we're not talking like, oh, like bias or anything. It's just purely efficient efficiency. You might hire the wrong or you might interview wrong P, the wrong people or the wrong candidates that you'll have to go back and interview again. And it just would lead to more time. And, it would and not to mention liability. I mean, you have liability if you yeah. decide to use the AI and be like, and, and, and that's where the word yeah. bias would be. Although the, my, I get cringy when I hear the word bias, but there is. There, the models yeah. are trained a certain way, and you're if you'd be held liable if you would if you actually respond to Correct. what their predominant Correct. whatever it is. Correct. Oh, so TLDR because we're running late. <laughs> yeah, let's it? do Excuse the me. TLDR, everyone. Uh, so one thing, let's uh, let's wrap it up for our audience. What's uh, one thing that a uh, piece of advice for our audience of how to spot uh, a bad use case or make sure not to use uh, AI uh, in a bad way. I think for me, it's probably if you're going to implement it, it's probably about having conversations with people that it will impact. So, particularly if it's staff, if you have some concerns about it, talk to your staff about it. You know, just be open and honest about it. Have a communication rather than just implement something and then find you made a mistake later on. I think communication, I guess, is the word. Mm -hmm. So, I think the lowest hanging. Uh, easiest implementation are things that are repetitive, repeated, and fairly low stake for catastrophic failure kind of thing. And so if you look at the flip of that, <laughs> taking something that's a pain in your butt, but you only do once, not a good use case for AI. Uh, and if like it does it wrong. It's a catastrophic problem for your business. Also not a good use case for AI. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of room between those two uh, things. But um, So I think for me, uh, TLDR is uh, 
bad use cases is anytime you um, don't insert yourself into the process at some point to oh. monitor the output. Right. But more right. importantly, do, are you knowledgeable enough of the topic to be able to discern whether the output is false or hallucinated or inaccurate? So uh, I guess that's my, my, my bad use case suggestion is to, um, what do you call it? gets other opinions uh, uh, before because I actually asked ChatGPT some things and then I'll cross-reference it with Google's response to the same question. If I'm, if I'm going to post it, you know, that's my TLDR. I'll just I think say uh, that um, your detector should be sensitive to the inclusion in any communication, uh, whether email or voice mm -hmm. of personal information that it's just improbable that they might have. And it, or you want to validate that they have a legitimate source of that private information, and, and that would be your first line of defense. Right. Uh, I, I just wanted to go actually further from what Rob, like take what Robert said a little bit further and, so, and think that anything that you should be outputting, in addition to a uh, human, but an actual expert in it, mm -hmm. because I think that's where the people who actually are knowledgeable in said area would have can spot hallucinations can spot oh that's not that's that sounds right but that's just a little off like those kind of things to to ensure that you know what you're outputting is actually like legit yeah uh and i'll only add a little tidbit onto that is um verify your sources and implement uh you know it, it Implement in things that into your process that uh, aren't uh, aren't that affected <laughs> by having to have different uh, people in, uh, involved. You don't want to enter into a slippery slope. Uh, I guess that's basically uh, what it comes down to. And that's what I got. All right. And on that note, Junmi is going to pull up the uh, right. video clip. Well, <laughs> now we like Robert. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll end it there for today. And uh, everybody uh, join us tomorrow uh, for another episode of The Daily AI Show. Happy Monday, Bye. everybody. Yeah. Happy Monday, everybody. Show 51. Woo! <laughs>